Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Nehemiah chapter 2. I feel like I just went through a church directory there for a second. It's good to see some friends here this morning that I haven't seen in a while as I'm scanning the crowd. There's a few friends here, so we welcome you. Thanks for joining us. I didn't realize you were here, so now, now that I'm up here, I can see your smiling faces, so I'm so glad that you're here with us. I won't embarrass you, but uh, I see that you're here. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 2. We start a series this week called God at Work. And, you know, I am so excited about what God is doing here at Celebration. We have, we have been here four weeks, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. And um, we have just experienced so much hospitality, and uh, y'all have been great. Uh, we feel like we've just been part of the family for a long time. And so thank you for helping us get adjusted, get acclimated, get moved in, get settled, all the wonderful food. And, I mean, we've just been completely overwhelmed, but it's been great. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing here. We've seen a lot of new faces come through. We've seen new ministries already get launched. People are excited about what God's doing here at Celebration. I'm telling you, if, you have, if you're one of those folks, we've had, um, we've had in the past two or three weeks, we've had numerous people just driving by on the interstate felt compelled to come into church. People that haven't been, uh, one person told us they hadn't been in 22 years, haven't been here to... Um, in 22 years, we're driving by on the interstate and felt compelled to come to service and came in, drove in. We've had um, numerous reports of that, people coming in. We've had people get delivered from depression, anxiety, uh, people getting new jobs, breakthrough in jobs, finances, all sorts of awesome stories have been coming through. We've shared some of those testimonies as of late. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a part of what God is doing here at Celebration. And in Nehemiah, we find the story uh, of Nehemiah facing broken down walls and, and broken down gates, gates that have been burned up, and he's having to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And maybe you're here this morning, and you feel like the walls of your life, the circumstances of your life are destroyed. Maybe you have a promise from God that you feel like is, has been destroyed, or God's not been faithful with what he said he would do, or maybe your family, your finances, whatever it is that you're facing this morning, I believe that God can rebuild your broken down hopes, your broken down dreams. God is in the business of restoring and rebuilding broken lives. And so today, no matter what you're facing, I believe that God can come and do something supernatural in your life. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. And now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I said to the king, and I prayed to the God of heaven and said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And if you skip on down, he goes back. Well, let's, let's pause there. Let's go back. And the king said to me in verse 6, 
The queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I sent him a time. And furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And then let's skip down to verse 17. Then I said to them, he gathers all the officials and all the people, and he says to them in verse 17, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build, and they set their hands to this good work. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray that you would make it alive and real to us, that your Holy Ghost presence would settle on this word this morning. Lord, that you would begin to open our eyes. Lord, that you would show us, Lord, areas of our lives that need rebuilt. Father, areas of our lives maybe that need to be restored. Lord, I pray that this morning that people that are bound to hurt or shame, things of the past would be liberated. And in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your power at work in this place, in this service today in Jesus name. Amen. Well, the first thing I I just want to take a look here. We see that Nehemiah is sent out from the king with three different things. And, and, And the first thing here that I want to point out is Nehemiah you know, comes before the king. He's a cupbearer before the king. He comes in sad. Many of you may know and be familiar with this story of Nehemiah. As a cupbearer, if you come in sad before the king, that's probably not too good if you've been tasting his wine and making sure there's no poison in it. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily want someone coming in and serving me something that doesn't look too happy and looks like they may have spiked it with something or put something in it. And so it's not, not a great start for Nehemiah. And actually, Nehemiah could have been killed at this point. And he comes in and he offers the, the wine, offers the drink to Nehemiah. And, and the king asks him, why are you sad? And then the king sends him with three things. He sends him off first with letters of passage. Man, you may be facing something today and you just feel like you'll never get through that situation. You may be right in the middle of a hard circumstance or difficult situation. The Bible says in James, count it all joy, my brethren, when you face difficult situations, when you you face testing and, and circumstances beyond your control, count it all joy. That word, count it all joy, means to command yourself to be in a place of joy. Sometimes that's difficult when you're facing hardship to command yourself to be in a place of joy. Some of you this morning need to command yourself to be in a place of joy. Some of you look pretty sour this morning. You just need to start telling yourself, be in joy. I will be a joyful person. It's okay. You can laugh this morning. You can enjoy the presence of God. And so he says, command yourself to be in a place of joy because there is a season of testing and that testing perfects you. That word testing that may be complete, your testing may be made complete signifies or the Greek word shows us that that word means that it is a desired outcome, a time or a period with a desired outcome. God has a place 
for you and I to go through a refiner's fire, a purification process that has a desired outcome. You may not enjoy the process, and it may be a hard process, but man, when you begin to count it all joy, you command yourself, I will live in the presence of God. I will live in a place of joy, even in spite of difficulty, even in spite of hardship. I will stay in a place of joy. You will pass right through that valley of death. You'll pass right through that place of testing. Are you with me this morning? You will pass right through. God will give you letters of passage through that situation. And then he gave him letters of provision. Maybe you're facing financial difficulty this morning. Maybe financial hardship. God knows exactly what you and I need. Nehemiah was going out to rebuild the walls. He was, he was facing an impossible situation. He had people ready to give him a hard time, stop and labor, cause him additional labor with what he was doing. And, and so he goes out with the provision that God had intended for him to go out with. He had letters to get the, the wood and everything that he needed, all of the supplies that he needed for, that, for the desired uh, purpose that he was going out for, to rebuild the wall. And you may be facing this morning, you may be facing a situation, you say, God, I know that you've called me to start a ministry. I know that you're challenging me to step out and do something new. Maybe you're here this morning. And God's been speaking to you about uh, starting a home group and all the different things that we've talked about, launching a new ministry, stepping out into ministry. And you're just looking at those situations and you're saying, man, I don't feel like I have what it takes. I don't think that I can accomplish this. I, I'm not gifted enough. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not equipped enough. God is saying to you today, just like he said to my, Nehemiah, I will send you out with letters of provision. I'll give you everything that you need to accomplish what I've said set before you to do. And then he, Nehemiah goes out with the king's security team. He has his own personal security team following him around. God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God says that his glory will be your rear guard. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people may throw at you. I've, you know, we joked, we said a couple of weeks ago, as y'all were getting to know us, we've had all sorts of weird things happen in services. Where we believe in a New Testament Pentecostal church, and that's what we are. We've had, and with that, we've had all sorts of weirdness. We had, right before we left New Orleans, we had a, um, demon-possessed lady, I was in the middle of preaching. She comes right down to the front of the aisle. Or she was tackling her, stopping her before she gets to the front, driving out, casting out the demons in the service. You never know what God will do in the middle of a New Testament church. We say, God, we just want you. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. We just need your presence. We want more of you in our church. We want more of you in our city. And God will protect us. He'll protect your reputation. He'll protect your church. He'll provide safety. It doesn't matter what people might say about you. It doesn't matter what people think about you. We're going to be that New Testament church that God has called us to be. And so, amen. Amen. So three things I want to take a look at about Nehemiah. First off, God promises to rebuild the walls of your life. Romans 8, 37 says, In all these things, you are more than a conqueror. And there might be situations in your lives, those walls, you know, I, I believe that those walls are representative for many of you today of emotional hurts and scars that you're carrying. You might be here today and you've been wounded by a father figure, a parent figure, maybe, maybe a husband or wife. There's been circumstance in your life that's caused emotional scars and wounds in your life, just like 
uh, Nehemiah went out and he rebuilt those walls, the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring healing and rebuild the walls of your life. Nehemiah's name means comforted or comforter or comforted of the Lord. He's a picture, that name, Nehemiah, is a picture of the Holy Spirit at work in yours and I's life. That God wants to come and he wants to take the, the ash heap of rubble, the broken mess of your life, and he wants to make something beautiful out of your life. You know, those walls were about four and a half miles long and about 16 and a half feet wide. That's a significant wall that they began to build and they set their hands to rebuild and they did it in 52 days. Sometimes we don't think God gets it done fast enough. I told some folks this week, there, I feel like there are days that I'm not running fast enough and there's days I feel like I'm running too fast. You know, there's, we have people that are coming and saying, hey, let's do this, let's do this, and we're trying to keep up. And then there's other days that, whoa, slow down, <laughs> there's way too much going on. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're, you've been with us for the past three or four weeks and you feel like, man, there's a lot going on and maybe you feel like we're not doing it fast enough. But I promise you this, that God is rebuilding the walls of Celebration Church. God is rebuilding this church. I love the story of the widow of Nain. Here's this woman. The Bible says that her son, her only son, died and she had no husband. It specifically points out in Luke 7 that this woman had lost all that she had, everything that she had had hoped for. And maybe you're here today and you're just like that widow of Nain and you feel like maybe your hope is gone. Maybe everything that, that you felt like God had promised you or God had promised this church or God had promised your family, that hope is dead. But I promise you today that Jesus is walking through the city of Nain. He's walking through Akron this morning. And just like that woman, the Bible says that Jesus was walking through with his disciples and he looked at her and had compassion on you, on her. Jesus is looking at you today and he's having compassion on you. He sees the hurt. He sees the brokenness. He sees the things that, that he's spoken to you that seem seemingly out of reach. You might be here this morning and think, oh, that sounds great, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm facing. No, you're right. I probably don't. I've only been here for a couple of weeks. But I promise you that God knows what your situation is. And he wants to rebuild the broken down walls of your life. Just like the woman of Nain, he came over. The Bible says that Jesus came over and he put his hand on that coffin. Can you imagine, you know, if Heather and I walked in, we just had a funeral this week. Can you imagine if we walked into the funeral and put our hand on the coffin and started commanding the dead body to rise up? That would create a stir in, in our community. It probably would get, a, get attention real quick, especially if the dead man came to life. If the dead man didn't come to life, we'd probably end up in the mental hospital. But, but if he came to life, that would create a major stir in this city. And that's what Jesus said. He just goes up and he puts his hand on the coffin and says, little boy, get up. And that, de that dead boy, that woman's hopes, that woman's dreams, her provision, her, her sustainer, her protector, the one that was keeping her safe and provided for had died. And Jesus said, that's okay. I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though, even though that situation seems dead, even though Lazarus may be in the tomb, even though that dead boy's gone, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'll bring hope where there's desperation. I'll bring healing where there's sickness and disease. I'll restore the broken down lives. He's rebuilding walls this morning, and he wants to rebuild the walls of your life. And then secondly, we see that God removes the shame of Jerusalem. 
You might be here this morning and feel like you're carrying the shame and the guilt of your past. That word shame, the the word reproach is actually used in Scripture, but it means shame. And the word shame is this, a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. I think we have that if they... They might put it up on the screen. A painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior, embarrassment or humiliation. Some of you here this morning may feel like you're carrying the shame and the guilt of your past. You may feel like that, that everybody around you knows your foolishness. Have you ever felt that way? Man, I made a stupid mistake. I blew it, and everybody knows about it. Everybody in, our, everybody in the church knows about it. And if I go to church, they're all going to sit around and judge me, and they're all going to be aware of my mistakes and my issues and this and that and the other thing. Y'all, don't look at me like, y'all are liars. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's probably some of you here this morning that feel that way. Man, if they, if they really knew the shame and the humiliation that I'm carrying. And I want to say to you today that God wants to come and he's going to rebuild the walls of your life and he's going to remove the shame. He's going to remove the guilt. That's what, that's what Nehemiah said here. Is he says, come in verse 17, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that we may no longer be in reproach. God's going to remove your shame. In Isaiah 54, it says, do not fear for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced for you will not be put to shame for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Hebrews 7, I love Hebrews 7. Therefore, he is able. Everybody say, he is able. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. Say uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That word, save through the uttermost, is the word sozo, is that he wants to save you completely. He wants to save you wholly. Your emotions, your, your, who you are, your soul, spirit, soul, body, everything about you, he wants to save and he wants to transform. He doesn't just come and say, okay, you prayed a nice little prayer so you're on your way to heaven. No, that's not what it's all about. He wants to come and transform your life. You may be here this morning and you could have prayed a hundred prayers. God, I need you in my life and not ever meant one of them and your life is still headed on the same path of destruction that it was on when you prayed a hundred prayers before God wants to come and transform your life he wants to save you to the uttermost he wants to bring absolute total salvation to your life Andrew Murray said this the salvation he has wrought out in is a life in the opened sanctuary of God's presence and the power of God's Spirit. All that is needed is that the believer be kept abiding for, forever, always living in this salvation life that Jesus has opened up. Are you living in the salvation life that Jesus has opened up? Are you abiding in this salvation life that Jesus has made available to you? Andrew Murray goes on to say, how do we do that? That we realize that he is ever living to make intercession for us. When you recognize that God is making intercession for you and I, that we can begin to be dependent on him, that we can trust in him for this salvation life to be worked in you and I. I love the story of Peter that here's Peter, a man that's followed Jesus, said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. We've given up everything. Peter's home had become the the home base, if you will, for Jesus' ministry in Capernaum. He was, he was the man that Jesus said, you're going to be sifted, but I'm praying for you. I mean, Jesus was praying specifically for Peter in his time of testing. And yet Peter 
goes and he denies that he ever knew Jesus, even to the point of cursing and swearing, I don't know this man. And the Bible says in Luke that Jesus, when, when Peter denied Jesus, Jesus turned and the Bible says the Lord looked at him. I wonder what went through Peter's mind when Jesus looked at him at that moment. That shame and the guilt and the, the reproach and all of those things began to race through his mind. And then we find Jesus in John, uh, John chapter 21 where Jesus is on the shore of the beach and he's standing there and Peter looks and he says, it's the Lord. He takes off running and goes to the beach. I got news for you. If I was Jesus... And my close friend had just betrayed me and I had died. When he got to that beach, I'd have some words for him. When he got there, I would, I would be ready to roll off my list. So, Peter, let's, let's talk about the past couple of days, shall we? You've denied me. You ran. You hid. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus prepares a meal for him and sits down and restores him to ministry. He says, Peter, do you love me? And he's saying the same thing to you, to you today. Maybe, maybe you have a call of God. I, maybe there's somebody here today, and I just feel like that maybe this is for you. You have a call of God on your life. You have a call of God on your life here today, and you know it, but the shame of your past is keeping you from stepping into what God has for you in the future. You feel like God has placed his hand on your life, and yet the shame of your mistakes and the shame of your failures is keeping you bound up to what was, and God's trying to release you into what will be. God's trying to bring you into this new season, but you're bound up, and God wants to rebuild the shame, rebuild the walls, and remove the shame of your life today. And then the Bible says that Nehemiah shares with everyone what happened. And they said in verse 18, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. First off, I want to challenge you today that we've, the past three weeks, we've been sharing the vision of Celebration Church, that God has called us to bring life, hope, and healing to this community. That's our vision, that each and every one of us are backyard missionaries. Every single one of us in this room, God has called. Amen. Every one of us in this room. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start preaching. I'm going to go stand on a pew in a second. I'm going to start preaching at you. Y'all better come with me this morning. Every single, y'all are acting like you, this is the first time you've heard this. We, we've been talking about backyard missionaries for three weeks. Four weeks. Every single one of us are called to be backyard missionaries. Every single one of us are called to begin to reach the city, invite our friends, and to make a difference in this community. I could care less whether they ever know about Celebration Church. I want them to know about the life-giving, hope-giving, healing power of Jesus at work and available to them. We said a couple of weeks ago, there was a distinct atmosphere shift in this, in this church two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. There was a distinct atmosphere change from, from the first time we've been coming to that, to that service. Something new happened in that, in that service. I'll, I will never forget that service because it was a familiar atmosphere. It was an atmosphere of the power of God. It was an atmosphere of His presence. It was an atmosphere that was charged. It was electrified with his presence that morning. 
I don't know if you all remember that, but I surely do. It was something specific that happened in that service. And ever since then, things have been speeding up. There's been a change and transformation that's been happening in these services. There's been natural things happening. We've been working on the sound and the stage and cleaning things up. And there's been, you know, all the normal stuff. But there's supernatural. There's something supernatural happening in this church. I'm just going to be very real with you. I see a lot more young faces today than I've seen. And... It's okay to be excited about that. That's good. <laughs> That's a great thing. Not that, not that we don't love our seniors. We love the seniors. Somebody said, well, do you not like the hymns? I love the hymns. I'll sing. I grew up on hymns. I'll sing the hymns down blue in the face. I love the old hymns. And I love the new. I love the new courses. I love what God's doing. I want to be right in the middle of it all. I don't care what shape or color it takes or what sound it looks like or hears like or smells like. I don't care about any of that. I just want to be in the middle of God's presence and what he's doing in this community. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning to rise up and to begin to set your hands to the good work. Just like Nehemiah and those folks with Nehemiah, they, they rose up to the occasion and they set their hands to a good work. And today I'm challenging you. Some of you are thinking, I, I can see it on your face, man, we've been working a lot. Do you really, what are you talking about? We've, we've been sustaining this transition. And I know that there's been many of you that have, have put in extra time and over, overtime, if you will, on sustaining things in the middle of transition. But we're just at the beginning we're not finished. Just because you found a pastor doesn't mean that, oh, we can sit back and relax now. No, it means it's time to crank it up. It's time to go from seven, you know, 40 or 25 or whatever speed you're at and kick it all the way up to 80, 100. Let's run. Let's run this race together. Let's not be caught sitting on the wayside and letting everybody else see, see the move of God. I want to see God move in this church. I want to see God move in your life. Some folks have already said to us, well, you, you know, you came from a revival church and you came from a revival background, so, you know, you just got to give us time to get there. And <laughs> You've had about an hour. How much more time do you need? <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. To, I, I want to see revival come to... If, if, I had, if I had to sum it all up, somebody asked me this week, somebody that's in the service today, asked me this week, said, if you're, what's your vision for the church? What, what would you say God's called you to do? I'd say it's to bring revival to this city. Amen. And I, I realize, amen, you can shout about that, that's good. But I realize that there are, there are different backgrounds, there's different cultures, and, and we're just easing on into this thing. But, I, I, man, it excites me. When I see people get baptized in the Holy Ghost, that excites me. When I see people get touched by God at the altar, you know, we had a few people ask, uh, when we started laying hands on people and people started falling and all that, we had people asking, is this going to be a regular occurrence? <laughs> I said, I sure hope so. <laughs> More, Lord. I don't know how sturdy that balcony is, but, you know, y'all could probably take off running on those steps up there if you wanted to. <laughs> we always talk about people down here, but I'm sure there, you can run and jump all that up there. We'll figure out how sturdy that is. <laughs> Before you jump, I promise. 
I'm challenging you this morning as your pastor. I want to see all of us step up to the plate, step up to our, step up to our position on the wall. Each one of us have a place on the wall today. Each one of us have a place to build. Some of, it, some of you, it's with children's ministry. Others, it's young adults or college. Or Some of you, it might be the nursing homes and hospital visits. And Some of it's, it's theater. Some of you are good with theatrical things and musical things. I saw that Grace is doing a, a, an audition for the worship team. I, I was talking to somebody last week that plays the drums, and I'm like, uh, hello, where are you at? And so, you know, all of those things, whatever your gift is, God's calling you to step up to the wall. It's time to build. It's time to step up and say, okay, God, I know you're rebuilding the walls. I know you're rebuilding the walls of our church, but you're going to use me to do it. God, I know that you're rebuilding the walls of celebration. You're rebuilding the walls of, of people around us. You're removing the shame. You're removing their guilt, and you're ministering life and healing and wholeness. And I know it's me that you're going to use to do those things. Thirdly, God wants to raise up people around you and I that will support us, that will run with us. Maybe you're here today and you feel like all hope's lost, people have abandoned you. And I want to tell you today that God has raised up a church, Celebration Church, a family that will stand with you, that will pray for you, that will encourage you. There are people in this church, if you feel like you're alone and there's nobody understands, believe me, there's somebody in this church that will walk with you and, and see the walls rebuilt in your life. Nehemiah gives us a great example here of what good godly friendships look like. First off, they heard what Nehemiah was saying, what God had told him. If there's someone in your life that all they ever want to do is talk gossip and all they want to focus on is the negative and the ugly, it's probably time to get a new friend. These people that came along, Nehemiah, were people that, that saw what God was doing, saw the purpose and the vision that God had for, uh, for Jerusalem and the walls around Jerusalem. And I want to say to you today, if you have people in your life that constantly keep pulling you down, constantly discourage you, constantly talk about the negative, constantly want you to gossip, probably time to find new friends. God has godly people around you that will, that will encourage you, that will edify you and build you up. And then it says that they, they listened. Not only did they listen, but they said, let us, let us rise up. Let us do this together. They were collaborating. They were cooperating together. It's not individualism. You and I cannot accomplish. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. You and I cannot accomplish what God has intended for this city and this church alone. If you are a lone ranger, if you are an island to yourself, you are missing one of the greatest treasures that God has provided for you and I. If you are trying to get through life on your own, if you're trying to make it without going to church and being not just going but being connected in a fellowship, you are missing one of the greatest treasures that God has given you and I. There are folks, I'm sure, here today that, that you come on Sunday mornings, and I, thank you for coming, and I hope you come on Wednesday nights as we start up Wednesday nights, and we have this teaching. Man, I'm excited about Heather's teaching on the Holy Ghost. We, we, we want you to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the purpose and person of the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Yes, we do. <laughs> We want you, when you hear someone praying in tongues or falling or seeing the gifts of the Spirit in operation, uh, man, are we not a Pentecostal church? Amen. 
We want you to know what that means and what that looks like. And so Wednesday nights will be a teaching. It'll be a great opportunity. You know, you may see things that happen on, on services on Sundays and be like, man, I've never seen that before. That was extraordinary. That was a little weird. I've never seen that. Wednesday nights will teach on it and help you understand what it's all about. And so I'm excited about that class. I'm excited about what God's doing. But you, you and I cannot be islands to ourselves. We've got to be connected to the body and growing together. I need you just as much as you need me. If you're here this morning, there is a place for you to belong at this church. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. I'm saying that because it's a reality. There is a place for you on the wall here at Celebration Church. I'm going to ask Grace if you'll go ahead and come back up. This morning, it's probably a little different service than what we normally have just because we have all of the recognizing people, the barbecue, and all the different things that are going on. But I want to say to you today that God is at work at Celebration Church. The next, the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at the, the four fundamentals of what we believe, that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, he baptizes in the Holy Ghost, and he's coming again. It doesn't get much more basic than that. Jesus saves, he heals, he baptizes in the Holy Ghost, and he's coming again. And so the next four weeks, we're, maybe longer, we'll just see what God does. We're going to take a look at those things. And so I want to encourage you, bring someone. If there's someone you, that you know that doesn't understand salvation or doesn't understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit or doesn't understand that Jesus is coming, whatever it is, this, the next four weeks are going to be a great opportunity. God's going to do something supernatural in their life.